Welcome to Boiling Point, the podcast to motivate ever-evolving entrepreneurs and forward-thinking movement pioneers. Our hosts, filmmaker Greg Hemmings and executive coach Dave Vale, are turning up the heat in the world's business communities. Our interviews with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers are raising the temperature of inspiration. Live from the hottest studio in this quadrant of the universe, here are Dave and Greg. Hey, Boiling Pointers. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode. Before we start, Dave and I want to let you know all about our Boiling Point Process online courses, live events, and masterminds. After interviewing hundreds of leaders, we've packaged a ton of knowledge together to serve up to you. Info that will help you and your company be heard in a very noisy marketplace. So visit www.boilingpointprocess.com and sign up for the email newsletter and we'll let you know when our next cohort or event is. Thanks also for supporting The Boiling Point by subscribing to us on iTunes and also leaving a rating for us. And we're good. Okay. Okay, David, All right. kick it off. We are, we are back uh, in The Boiling Point podcast booth is not so boiling anymore well do you know what? it's it's you know n- not to time stamp us but it is in the middle of february right now uh dave not, the time, beginning. not the beginning. to time stamp us not to time stamp, but it is lovely outside yes. right now uh, yeah it is in, but in I, Canada. Still, I still have my uh i still have my vest on true to, to keep warm and you have <laughs> you have a very full grown beard which looks I very know. sharp no i i think i need a sharp uh razor to actually uh, trim it up a little bit dave so listen i got you and i started this podcast a number of years ago i don't even know when it's just it's, it's been it f- years feels like forever and part of what i think you know we it's been a passion project for us and I, you know deep down we want to have impact right yep. in everything we do and in our collaboration and we've got uh an exciting guest um and ed i don't, I don't want to mangle your last name so i'm going to get can the, i try yes can I try? give it your best shot dr ed brenniger i'm going to say it's a brunette Perfect. Ah, oh, sweet. I geez. nailed it. Greg, Greg wins <laughs> that. And, and Dr. Doctor Ed is coming in from Jackson Hole, Wyoming. So I suspect, Ed, that you are an avid deep powder skier. I used to ski. I don't ski anymore. I don't have the needs for it. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but I love you, snow. You got we've the heart for it. <laughs> we've, we've had two feet of snow in the last... 36 hours. I know. I, I, I had a, a friend of mine uh, was skiing there all last week. Uh, actually, a, a, a former uh, guest co-host on this uh, very podcast, Steve Kopf, and uh, he said it was phenomenal last week out there. Yeah, it's it's even better today, I tell you. It's, it's <laughs> that, fantastic. That's great. Well, what, what, what I like, um, Ed, as, as we've been looking through uh, your bio, uh, you, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you're, all, you're the author of uh, Circle of Impact, but it, it feels like you're really looking at the specific individual impact that people can make um, because for myself, I own a film production company and, you know, we've got employees that are, we all agree that our company is on this earth to make a certain impact. And, um, and that's what motivates us. But what makes me really excited as an entrepreneur is the stuff that's not even connected to my business. The, the impacts I'm able to make as a, as a father, as a friend, as a community member, as a musician, whatever it might be, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Is that a good setup for what your uh, what your passion is about? Can you t- tell us a little bit about the about the circle of impact? It's uh, we could uh, following this thing. We can talk about this in two ways. We can talk about the personal leadership that people take to make a difference that matters in all aspects of their life. We can also talk about 
how business people, owners, CEOs can change the structure of their businesses so that that personal initiative to create impact can function more in their business than it has ever had. So that's kind of shifting from a leadership starved culture to a leader rich culture. Ooh, I like that. So yeah. Both, yeah. both of those are part of this because it's the whole picture. You know, you take a person you, and they're going to do things in their private life, but they're also going to do things in their work life. And when you are able to connect those two together, where it's something from within them that says, this is really important to me. This is where I want to give myself. Then it's, it's magic. It really is amazing. So, and, and you, you, now you, you've thought about this so deeply that you've, you've written a book and um, what was like, what, I guess, you know, I, you know, maybe before we dig into the topic, I'm just curious, like what your motivation and interest in the topic is and, and where that, where it comes from. Uh, well, one of the, one of the sources of this is um, as a consultant, uh, I was an organizational leadership consultant for 20 years and I kept going into to businesses and nonprofit organizations and local governments and all kinds of, you know, educational institutions, all kinds of organizations and finding that the people in the, in those places were not performing up to their potential. And I was finding that it was a part of the problem was the mindset that was in the business organization, but also how it was structured. And that, and no one really had this idea. You know, I would ask people, I would ask leaders, tell me what you see the potential of your people being. And they couldn't tell me that. They didn't have any way of talking about even what the potential of each individual in their company was. And I, I just kind of reason that they're probably working somewhere between 20 and 30 percent of what they could potentially be doing so it, it kind of became more and more of a of a concern about the future of a business future of society where people are underperforming because they're not really a, in, a, in a situation where they can actually take in in my language personal initiative to create impact that makes a difference that matters what, when what? you make that shift and so when you make that shift, then all of a sudden people feel trusted and they feel respected and they feel like, I really belong here. I really have a stake in the future of this business. What, what do you think? Community what do you think it is that that maybe stifles that capacity? Like what you know that would keep the CEO from considering how how her people only have you know are, are being leveraged you know kind of twenty percent of their capacity. So what what would what would be the barrier? Do you believe? Well, I think it's I think it's a product of the just the way businesses and organizations developed over the last couple of hundred years. You know, we were you had um, lots of small businesses hundreds of years ago. I mean, they were that's the way people lived, and, and all of a sudden you had these large production focused institutions that developed, and people had a singular job on the on the assembly line, and that mindset became. Uh, kind of de facto in in many places, and and what people were doing was they were being measured by their production, and and efficiency became a, a kind of a ruling uh, idea, and all and then at at some point be, things began to shift because at some point 
in our society, we needed people to do more than simply do the task that they were hired to do. They need to be able to solve problems and they needed to communicate better and they needed to be innovating right in the spot where they worked in the business. Uh, and that wasn't happening. And I think it's just, I think it's an evolutionary sort of thing. It's a, it's a, we're, we're going through a period of change. It's a transition that I see us going through. And, and this is, this is the thing is rising to the top now, the need for individuals to function at their very best because they have a desire to, and they have this, they have the permission to, they have a situation where they're, they're supported in them being leaders. I'm guessing that part of that, you know, tackling this, you know, it makes that makes a lot of sense. It's almost like coming out of the industrial age and, you know, and just the whole that whole a lot of Mm -hmm. management practices come from, you know, settings where it would have been more um, about efficiency of kind of movement versus, you know, um, you know, on an assembly line example, but versus being your your capacity to to think creatively and all these sorts of things. Um, but I'm guessing as we as you start to to help an organization um, tap into that capacity that's that that that, that is within these, the people that is probably an excellent like retention tool is probably a really great engagement tool I'm, and all, all sorts of things. Would that be is that a fair assumption? Oh, yeah, that's that's a that's a great assumption because there's a um, a talent. Uh, um, competitive talent market out there now. And so if you want the very best talent, then you better create an environment where the talent really wants to come to you because that talent is hiring you to meet their goals and where it used to be, you're just looking for a job. So I think that's part of the shift. So yes, this is a great assumption. And um, so the more, the more I call it, the more your company is a circle of impact type of company, the more likely people who, have the um, the character of uh, leadership of taking personal initiative will want to come and work for you. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have it, then they're going to leave, and you're going to end up with the uh, the bottom feeders of the talent pool, so to speak. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. And how do you feel in your experience? Um, the market uh, is impacted by that sort of uh, you know philosophy. And what I mean by that is. <clears throat> I think, uh, you know, Dave and I both run companies that um, are very much in line with your way of thinking. Uh, and I think people on the outside, they recognize it, even though it's not something you talk about. You know, um, do you see that with some of your clients, Ed? Uh, you know, that, 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 that there's actual outward benefit, marketing benefit, if you will, or an attraction for, you know, embodying this, uh, this philosophy? Well, I think, I think what people see is a culture emi- that's emitted from the company and that culture is one of openness and one of uh, support of people. Uh, there's energy, there's, there's enthusiasm. The, the people become your, some of your best marketers. And uh, so, yeah, I think there, I think there's a culture that grows up that people begin to see f- from the outside. They see something that's different there. And, and I think it, you know, a lot of us are talking also about how we need to be agile and we need to be adaptive and we need to do all these things. Well, if you are able to equip your people to be that, then your company is going to look like that in the marketplace. And, um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's, uh, I don't think there's much we can hide, uh, any longer. I think we can see it all. It's all yeah. out there. Yeah, yeah. And, um, 
which is a good thing. I mean, it's particularly if you if you um, kind of are moving in this kind of 21st century direction out of what used to be the 19th and 20th century. 21st century directions out of the 19th and 20th century. Yeah. The way we did things. Yeah, yeah. Well, so let's let's assume that um, there's a lot of organizations that would this would resonate with. And, you know, so an organization calls you and says, you know, Ed, can we, um, you know, we believe that we could develop the capacity, you know, and have a leadership-rich culture here. Um, so what do you, do you, I mean, is there any way you go in and, and assess where they are? And um, and then how do you support that shift, um, you know, to, to really, to really reaching the capacity of every individual? What, tell us, maybe walk us through the mechanics of that would be really interesting. Well, I think the first the first step, and this came from twenty years of consulting, where I was I was never really satisfied with the results of my work. And what I ultimately came to realize was that the person who is at the top of the pyramid, the organizational pyramid, mm-hmm. that person, mm-hmm. the CEO, the executive director, the owner, um has to go through a perception, a change of their own perception about who they are and what it means to lead their company. Um, because if they only see the problems in the company and they don't take the step to say that I am responsible for that and I have to change so that everyone else can change, then it doesn't really, it doesn't really work. And so I think that's where it starts. It starts with a conversation with the, the person who is responsible for you know, the, the company. And, um, and when they decide, okay, I want to be different than I've been, then it gives the permission for everyone else to do it. And, and the simple, the simple task is that you, you do a training, you do training program where you, um, kind of create a different mindset about what is expected of people. Uh, you train them to, in particular, and this is part of what I do with the, my model. You train them in particular to, to learn how to solve problems, and you use the model to communicate better, and and you use the model to say how can we improve. So the the circle of impact model is kind of a universal tool that can solve virtually any problem that exists because it is kind of an insight into actually the way things work. And if you train people to to utilize it, and it can it can be very it's a simple it's a simple practical model. So anyone can learn how to use it because it just is that simple. But it's also a it's also comprehensive, meaning whatever your situation, you ask the question: What kind of problem is this? Is this a problem with the organizational structure? Is this a problem of relationships, or is this a problem of lack of clarity about what we're doing and why we're doing this? And whichever one of those is, the the other two become the resources for solving the problem, and ultimately you're you're basically completing the circle by making sure that you're aligning the three dimension, what I call the three dimensions of leadership, of ideas, relationships, and structure. You're aligning them together, and you tra- and you train people to do that. And and the training is is simply okay. What is the problem that you're facing today? Let's teach you how to how to use the the, the model. And so instead of it becoming this massive um, endeavor to retrofit or change the company, you give people the tools to change it from within, and it makes it a lot simpler. 
and I, I from what I've seen, it just works mm. a lot better. This is this is really cool, um, and um, like what 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 are some of your customers? Like uh, you don't have to name names, but like like who are some of the organizations that you're types of organizations you're excited to work with? Sizes of organizations, uh, industry verticals, that sort of thing. I'm interested in a wide diversity of organizations because it, the ones that I really want to work with are the ones who recognize that they're in some kind of transition, and and the transition may be that they're the structure of their industry is changing, and they need a different way of looking at who they are and how they're going to function. Or it may be that they really recognize that they have ex- ignored the people in their business and they're ready to um, kind of change the relational structure of the company. Or, you know, it, it's people who um, who recognize that they're not clear at all about why they're in business and there's no connection to what the impact of the business should be and, and they can't really tell you why they do things other than this is what we've always done. So instead of there being a, a kind of an ideal type of, of industry, it's really has more to do with the, the mindset and the state of transition that a company is in. So it could be a large company, but it tends to be kind of mid, mid-sized to smaller size because they, are a lot, they have a lot more freedom to change they're they're not so encumbered by so much structure so that they can make changes and they can become a lot more leader centric as a result. I really like working with uh, local governments because they are critical to the health of any society. Mm -hmm. And they're also where some of the, the, the major problems in our society find their, find their source. So I like I like working with lo- uh, local governments and educational institutions and entrepreneurial organizations. Um, I have yet to work with a company that is spread out into you know 50 countries over the world and got 50,000 employees. I think those are much more difficult to change, but the model can work there as well. You know, I, I'll give you an example. I I was doing a book signing just this past weekend and I, and this man in his mid fifties came up to me and we just started talking. And, and this is kind of the, the situation that I, I would be you know, the ideal for me to walk into. So he works for a, a mining company. He's a, a welder and the company, uh, and, and what he told me, he says, you know, I've worked for this company for a long time and I keep telling them, I want to do more. I want to do more. I want to learn new things. I just don't want to be a welder. I want to be doing other things. And they've never allowed him to to do that. And why did he why did he stay with him? I don't know. Um, but he here was this guy who had never really had the opportunity to develop his leadership capacity, and as a result, the company probably uh, is living off its um, its past um, past glory, so to speak. You know, they they obviously have a a, a strong market, and that market's always going to be there. So it's like they um, uh, don't recognize that the world has changed and they feel like they can never change. But here's this guy who obviously needs – he wants to do more than he than he's being allowed to. So that kind of company I I would like to work with. You know, places where the resistance change has been high and but they also are beginning to get the idea that something's not going to last. It's a time of transition and let's let's get at it. 
It's so, um, yeah, you know, it's hard to imagine an environment where someone wants to give more and contribute and, and yet the organization doesn't have the ability or or the capacity to even support that, which is it just it's it's kind of surprising if you think about it. Um, at the same time, you're yeah, I've actually run across that in our work, um, where where people like are trying to contribute in new ways and just don't feel like they have the the ability to. So what I also I also like you know when I was kind of doing a little research here on on um, circle of impact leadership is um, you know it's just your your view of leadership and that it doesn't. You know, it's not necessarily assigned to your role in the organization. So this kind of concept of I'm borrowing from a, an author, Robin Sharma, but you know, lead without title. Yeah, um, yeah, mm-hmm. and, and that. Yes, and I think yes. I think people I think that is starting to really resonate with people. So when like let's say this isn't the organization now, let's take it to the individual level. And this, you know, and you talk about taking personal initiative to ignite change. So what what are you know? So someone like let's let's use this guy, this welder, as an example, is feeling this way. Um, what's your advice to the, at the individual level? Well, I, my advice to him was that he, he look outside the company for places where he can make a difference that matters that he, he takes whatever his interest is and, and not try to make all, uh, not try to, uh, make this company be the place where all of his impact is, has to be. Like so, maybe at, so maybe at the that community he can, level, he can, as step, an example. he can step out and go do things in the community right. where he can find satisfaction in, in taking personal initiative. So we're not bound by the institutions that we have been just traditionally bound by in the past. So that's my advice. That was my advice to him. Yeah. I said, go go to the community college and learn some new skills. You know, take some time, go go learn something that no one else is asking you to learn, but you want to learn because you have a desire to learn. It's kind of that simple it, and, um, it is and and yet for some reason people don't take that step i'm wondering you know and it's maybe they just haven't been challenged i wonder what what would keep someone from because then you run into people that just find the path you know like they're like water right like they'll, they'll they'll find the path you know no matter what right and then others are some almost like waiting and i always wonder you know what what is it that what's the difference between that person that, that is, will kind of wait till they're exposed to it. And then the other people that actually seek it out. Any, any thoughts on that? Yeah. I think there are people who, um, were raised to take initiative. They were raised with the sense of confidence that whatever they could start and move towards that, they, they could do it, that they could succeed at it. And they were other, there were other people who were kind of beat down as, as children, and they never they never got the idea that they had some inherent value to their life that needed to be expressed by their own taking initiative or their own decisions. And and so there's a there's a psychological aspect is kind of a social psychology psychological aspect to this, where we have a we have a lot of people in our culture who have uh, never been taught how to to uh, take initiative on things. I, I've had I have a I, I have a pat conversation I like to have with elementary school teachers, and, and I think you guys will love this. I I ask them um, about whether they should be teaching uh, helping fourth graders learn how to start entrepreneurial businesses, and. Every primary elementary school teacher I talk to is who, about that. They says that's a really good idea. And finally, I had a conversation with the teachers who said, 
We're doing that here in our school. So I think if you train, if you teach people how to start things and to um, think through things and to imagine what is possible and to have the encouragement and the support to take the initiative to try. And, you know, as entrepreneurs, we know that you, you try and you fail, you try and you fail, you try and you fail. And all of a sudden you try and you succeed. And, and it's the fa- it's in the experience of failing where you learn to have the confidence that you can overcome whatever situation you're in. I think this welder guy had never been in a situation where he had learned to have the, uh, the kind of self-confidence where he could take something on uh, that um, was larger than anything he'd ever done. So I think that's a part of what we're, ta- what I, we're talking about. So there's an educational side to this. And I'd love to see kids who are who are entrepreneurs do things. And I, I was, I've been a part of an organization for the last 10 years, 12 years called a random kid, which supports kids who do social beneficial projects from primarily through their schools, but not exclusively, you know, and these kids just want to do something that makes a difference. And, and we've been supportive of what they do. And um, so I think that's, you know, I think it's a, you know, it's a, it's a relational thing at the, at the level of the support of a person who says, I have an idea. Okay. What's your idea? Let's see how we can um, bring something about that makes it to see whether this works or not. And if it doesn't work, then what do we do to do it? Then take it to the next level. It's almost like, like so it, it would, it wouldn't be great if that was the reflex, right? Like, so, so people are looking at something and versus not considering it all saying, what, what's the first step I could take. And I don't know, in my experience, I've run across a lot of times people get, hung up and probably myself included get hung up on this idea that if I don't understand step five, you know, you know, how could this work when, you know, sometimes step one, you need to go, you know, take that first step and the other steps start to show up. Right. And, but uh, it feels like people want to have things planned out and, and that's not the reality of, you know, an entrepreneurial initiative, like you might have a a path you're considering, but you, you know, that whole concept of pivoting and all that sort of thing shows up over and over and over again. And one of the, I should, one other thing I just want to comment on, I know we got to wrap up in a second here, but I love this topic <laughs> clearly. Um, it's one of our uh, earliest guests who, um, who actually helped us come up. Well, he came up with the name boiling point, which was very kind of him. And, and this brings you and Greg is, you know, this idea of coding and the value of kids, um, coding mm-hmm. and 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 how that helps entrepreneurship, and I think that lines lines up with what Ed's mm. saying oh, totally. from from a standpoint of yeah. you know failing and and iterating and all that kind of stuff. Celebrating failure, learning how to fail, and uh, learning just to problem solve. You know, and uh, what the, those kids are learning in grade one, two, three, and four through Brilliant Labs and uh, all this sort of thing is is lifelong problem solving skills, which is a lot about what Ed's Ed's talking about. Yeah, yeah. So the, yeah. yeah, this is really this is really cool. And you should take a look at brilliantlabs.ca, uh, and that is what uh, uh, Dave, okay. Dave is referencing. And uh, just by out of uh, other interest, it uh, it's a not for profit that was born out of a documentary film that we produced called Code Kids. And uh, if you're interested, huh. if you're interested, uh, I can send you a link to it. Um, in fact, if you look it up at codekid, oh. codekids.ca, I don't know if that link still works. Probably doesn't, but it is online. You can find it, but I would be happy to send it to you so you can check it out. I'd love to see that because then that becomes more um, more fodder for me to talk about with people who walk. You know, I do. A, I'm doing these. I'm on a book tour now, and I'm going to Barnes and Noble stores all over the Western United States, and I'm talking to people, 
and some of these are parents and these parents need to know, okay, how do I help my child to develop these kinds of skills and this kind of character? Yeah. I mean, we're talking about personal character here when we're, when we're at the kind of the base. hundred percent. So if they learn how to code, then that's enough. That's another, um, aspect of their character, which is been successful. That's, that's good. So now how do, so people are listening and they're saying, hey, we want to learn more. We want to, you know, have, have Ed come speak to us or, or, um, you know, work, yeah. consult with us. How do people find you, Ed and, and, uh, or read your book or whatever that may be? Okay. The, uh, let's start with the book. The book is circle of impact, taking personal initiative to ignite change. And it's available, uh, through amazon.com. It's available through your local independent bookstore. It's available through Barnes and Noble. And, and if you can't find it from any of those places, you can contact me and you can find me, at edbrenniger.com and it's spelled E-D-B-R-E-N-E-G-A-R.com. And I'm uh, intensely relational and so I'm glad to talk with anyone and um, try not to filter too many people out because I learn, I learn as much as I give and, I, and that's one of the best things about what I get to do. Oh uh, yeah, well that's, you know what, that's the, you should get a podcast. Because I mean, that's what we're doing on a daily basis. <laughs> I know. Well, it's it's a part of uh, it's one of the things that I'm thinking. So I have pivoted in the last four months, five months. So uh, just to know that uh, we still pivot, we still start over. Sure. So I've pivoted and started over, and um, so that's one of the things I'd like to do. Um, it's uh, it's something I'm considering. I've had friends who have started there, so uh, I have a feel for what it might mean. So. But I need some need some time to kind of put that together. Yeah, yeah. No, you're no. right. It's it, well, you'll you'll. I mean, you just when you're des- describing being intentionally relational and and in learning from others, I just thought, oh, it's you're you're our you're our people. Um, we totally uh, get that, and that's that's why this has been such a brilliant experience. So, yeah. well, well, Ed, thank you so much for uh, your time today. We really my, uh, really my appreciate pleasure. this, and best of luck on your on your tour. I just sent you an email a moment ago with uh, a few fun links for you to check out. Okay. Thank you very much, guys. Thanks awesome, so much, Appreciate Ed. it, and all the best to you. You as okay, well. Thanks. Good Take luck care. on the book tour. Okay. Bye-bye. Um, we, uh, I, should, I should find a way to get our listeners to see those old films, too, like the Code Kids film. Yeah. Maybe we'll put it in, uh, a link in the, um, yeah, in the show notes. Because it, it, it ties right into, you know, like, like I can't, you know, he's, we're bringing up this capacity issue, and, you know, you think of how many people are walking around like this welder that he describes, and I thought that's such a brilliant story, but mm-hmm. that that want to do more, want to contribute more, but you know are literally struggling with what's what's the first step to take, and um, um, and you know, and, and as you hear that, you can't help but think as a parent, you know, how how would we help our kids? And it just got me thinking of code kids and the value of yeah. of coding and what I oh, what I what little I've seen. So, um. So what did you take away from that, Greg? You were you were you were listening a little more than yeah. Well, it's fun. It's fun because uh, th- there's certain guests where I know that you resonate really with the to- well with the topic. Yeah. And as an executive coach, yeah. um, it's kind of neat to take you know just take a step back and just just listen and take it in because uh, we do that with each other sometimes depending yeah. on the. Uh, well, yeah. it's like the B Corp stuff. I, you know, I, I, I take a lot more uh, listening approach because I'm not as 
you know, like I'm learning, you yeah. know, and it's, yeah. it's hard to be, it's, you know, and this, we talk about this in the Boiling Point process, yeah, right? And we should right. talk about, tell, tell people how to get there, boilingpointprocess.com, sign up. Uh, we're doing, we've done um, some live events, we're doing more, um, and you can learn more about this or our online course you may want to take. Um, and we talk about this, this concept of interview bait. And, um, and it is sometimes I find challenging to be interviewing and learning at the same time. And ah, it's, it's a skill, yeah. um, yeah. that, uh, whereas like, like a topic I'm very comfortable with, it's really, you just, the questions are just boom, just yeah, coming to yeah, me. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, so, so it's a normal, it's a normal feeling. So that's, it is the value of having a co, a co-host. Well, I was thinking about th- that as well, um, on this podcast and the other, how, uh, it's an interesting dynamic, and a lot of podcasters do it. They'll they'll, they'll have two two hosts because um, it beca- it feels more like a, a a group conversation where instead of an interview, you know. Right. And I think uh, it, it it when it, you you can you, but you, you can think while the other person's asking well, a question yeah, to process. Nice. Okay, where am yeah. I at on this? And you know, we we do things good together, Dave. We do. Uh, and on all that, uh, as Dave said, check out uh, www Actually, boilingpointprocess.com, not the. Put your email in so we can let you know when our next uh, workshop's going to be, uh, our next event, and uh, the launch of our online course, The Four-Step Process. Dave, have an awesome week, man. You too. I still haven't figured my signature sign-off yet. Tell me a joke. Maybe maybe people can, they can let us know what it should be. Tweet us. Thanks for checking out this episode of Boiling Point. Remember to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Boiling Point Pod. To see more from Dave Vale, check out leadershipunleashed.ca or visioncoachinginc.com and on Twitter at Dave underscore Vale. And to catch up with Greg, visit Hemmingshouse.com and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter. Thanks for listening and remember, keep that pot boiling. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.